I met Gina during a demonstration of how to make a fermented tea called kombucha at a small food fair run by River Cottage down in Axminster. I was fascinated by the process of this magical gut-reviving drink, but also in her passion and clarity of the presentation. Sadly, we could only talk over a mobile phone line, so the quality of the recording is a little scratchy. But I promise you, Gina's story and openness on her business are well worth listening to. So we met at the River Cottage Food Fair, um, and it was um, it was quite an exciting time for me. I wanted to explore lots of different things, and I, I was looking down the agenda, and I saw this interesting subject called or a presentation called kombucha it looked like a really interesting thing and and i i've been having just a few minor problems with my gut health <laughs> just minor it's not not that disgusting um as has most people yeah. yeah oh absolutely i think it's a really chronic thing nowadays and yeah. i was like yeah i want to try that and i signed up for your presentation and a sauerkraut presentation as well i thought let's get it let's get this done in one day oh yeah um, so we came along to your presentation. We were late. I'm really sorry about that. Um, but you were so good. You finished off the, the guys you were dealing with and you gave me and my children a special demonstration of um, of making kombucha. So I want to come back to that. Before we go yep. there, um, could you give me a little bit of an introduction to... Um, so you're, you're the founder and brewer at Wild Fizz Kombucha. Um, and I want to talk about that and I want to find about your challenges and how you started that, why you started it and how you're marketing mm-hmm. it. Because you're actually in stores now, which is great. Um, yep. But give me a little bit about your background, because you're actually in the creative industry originally. How did how did you move from there to where you are now? <laughs> Bizarre how the uh, how one's life takes a turn. Yeah. So um, I used to be a creative and I used to work in advertising and um, had a really great um exciting job where i was doing really fun projects and um you know big ones and small ones and traveling around the world and um but it was incredibly stressful Mm. and it was also um incredibly wasteful so you know you'd you'd come up with this amazing idea you'd pitch it to the client they'd agree to it you'd build it the event would take place and then you'd be standing there with 10 skips worth of waste and feeling in the pit of your stomach where you just felt like you weren't really doing the world justice. Yeah. So I was out in America a few years ago and while out there working, I had some stomach issues because I have IBS. So I've had IBS since I was 21 Mm. and I'm 35 now, so it's been quite a while. And I've had really, really bad uh, IBS. Um, That sort of ranges between sort of feeling that you can't leave the house to just mild cramps and stuff like that. So I was an American working and um, his kombucha is huge there. Some of my friends were just like, you know, you should try this. Really? Uh, give it a go. See, you know, see if it helps. And to my utter surprise, I mean, you know, I've come at IBS with a pitchfork for <laughs> over a decade, you know, trying to, through diet and, um, hypnotherapy, right. exercise, sleep, all this kind of stuff. And I never really, it never solved it. Sometimes it could be slightly better, but it just seemed like kind of, it was never anything I did. It was just, a, you know, it was the occasion. Sometimes mm-hmm. I, something I did would make myself, make it trigger. And um, sometimes I'd do it and it didn't. So it was very, very difficult to kind of go, this is the thing that will make it go away. So, um, after I've been drinking kombucha for a few days, I noticed that I was feeling a lot better, much more energized, and just like, yeah, and other sort of slightly not very nice things. <laughs> we won't go there. Well. Yeah, we won't go there. I'm surprised, at how quick, I'm surprised at how quick that happens, though. Yeah, I mean, like, amazing. Mm. To me, I, I was astounded, and I immediately was like, what, what the bloody hell is this? This is absolutely insane. Um, why am I feeling so good? And so I did a little bit of research on it and um, and just thought it was incredible. Mm. And I did scroll on a little piece of paper while I was in the States, a question which is, can I start a kombucha company? Which is like uh, quite bizarre, but I, I, have, I still have that little note. And, um, and then I came back to the UK. In my mind, I was still working in events and, you know, so I started home brewing. Mm-hmm. Sort of, um, Are you going to introduce the guest that we have on um, as, with, <laughs> yeah. with you? So the, the little person you can hear in the background is Una, 
who's a four and a half month old baby who is annoyed that her food just ended. So I've just refilled her bottle. Uh, but we're lying in the park uh, trying to kind of find a silent place. It's always like this when you're uh, working. It's trying to find the time and the place. But anyway, so um, so yeah, that's Una in the background. Mm. So, so you started yeah, home so brewing. Yeah, I came back to the UK. Started home brewing. Um, kind of trial, trial and error, really, because it isn't the easiest thing to do. And did quite a few disgusting batches that nobody wanted to try or drink, including myself. And um, I just kind of persisted because um, one of the other reasons as well was that the stuff in America was amazing. Uh, when I tried the kombucha in the UK, it didn't feel the same. Right. Um, and I tried pretty much all the brands and they're also very, some of them are very high in sugar and some of them aren't organic. So there wasn't that much to choose from. So that's kind of another reason why I started brewing it myself. Mm-hmm. And then I finally hit upon something that actually was decent and got a stall at Primrose Hill Street Market every Saturday. And so I was brewing at home and, you know, I, I don't know if your audience kind of knows what kombucha is, but, you know, no, you grow no, this Yeah, culture. Do, do tell us, yeah. Yeah, so you, you basically you. It's a fermented tea, so um, you have tea and sugar, and you add this culture to it, um, which is a culture full of live bacteria and yeast. Good mm. stuff, really, really good stuff, and lots of different types of acids as well. And um, it grows this kind of thick, white um, skin on the surface mm. of the liquid, which is called the SCOBY, which is basically a, um, a visual representation of what you'll find in the liquid, which is um, a symbiotic colony of bacteria and yeast. So um, the thing about it is that when you brew, every single time you brew, it forms a new layer of the scoby. Mm. So, you know, you start off with one and then you have two and then four and then eight and it kind of exponentially grows. So you start off, you know, with one with one vessel and, and then like a, month, a few months later, your whole house is full. And... Um, and it was, I think, at that point where I was like, okay, you know, people are buying it, um, getting really good responses back. I love it. I feel great. I want to do something about this. And I'm not entirely happy with, you know, my career at the moment in terms of what I was doing. Mm. So it was kind of a no-brainer. And then without thinking too hard about it, because I think had I sat down and done a business plan, I would have killed it immediately. Um, I took all my savings and I hired a brewer uh, um, called architect mm-hmm. and together we uh, designed and built a brewery uh, in a space up in Tottenham that I'd found and then I spent the la- next couple of months sort of learning how to scale up from you know working with five litre containers to a thousand litre brewing tank um, which you know it is quite complicated yeah and dealing yeah. with scobies are about you know a meter and a half wide really um <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um and stuff like hygiene certificates and all this kind of stuff that you need to get from the council and and figuring out what my name was going to be and um what my bottle shape was going to look like and you know what what the final ingredients for all the flavors would be yeah, I mean, you, you, and, there's, there's, um, a, there's a lot of things there. I, I'm I'm fascinated yeah. by that you you were comfortable to take the savings that you had. I, I think you you had some a small amount of investment from this brewer, um, I believe. And no, so, no uh, not at all. I, it, I, no, no, I got some money from a friend of mine who thought it was a great idea. Who then later sort of stepped down, but um, I did I, I did it all myself. Yeah. So what? How did you feel comfortable to be able to step into that? And, and, and put everything on the line for you obviously believed in the product a lot you had you'd been selling uh, yeah. it what took you over that edge what helped you to do that do you know what I have to say that whether I'm maybe a little bit stupid or <laughs> I don't know but I just wanted to do it and I had an opportunity and I thought that you know I spent so many years feeling so ill mm. And having stuck upon this drink, I just, I mean, it's going to sound like holier than thou, but it isn't. It was more just like, I need to, people need to drink this stuff. And I need to be telling people what it did to me because um, it might help them. Yeah. Uh, To me, that was just uh, like, for me, it's an elixir of life. I think, you know, it's, it's, uh, I want everybody to drink it. 
And there was also an element of, again, I wanted to do something that was slightly better for the planet. So mm -hmm. something that adds good stuff to people's gut biome. You know, we are working to, we're very close to being 100% plastic free. Um, everything that we use is organic. Trying to create a business that actually does good um, and makes people feel good is so important. Uh, and that was kind of it, really. And, you know, it's like, what are you going to use your savings for? I didn't have enough for a mortgage on a house. Um, I was living in a house share. You know, um, there wasn't really anything that sort of held me back. I mean, I've had a baby now, and I definitely, I might have thought differently then uh, if I'd had her. But, um, but still, I just, yeah, I was like, if, it's, it's a yeah. big, it's a big leap, and I, you would. It is, <laughs> yeah. But your enthusiasm—I I, I got a bit, quite a lot of your enthusiasm, as did my children when we when we came there, and they they were yeah. fascinated by your presentation, your process, and um, pretty clear explanation about how how to make this at home using mm. you know you actually had some starter kits which Very you gave simple. us after the presentation, and yeah. they love doing it. So they actually like going through this brewing process, which we um, which we have been keeping up. And it's Amazing. and it's, I've been like telling other people about it. Oh, just going back to something Wait. else that you've mentioned on uh, another podcast I uh, listened to. Uh, I think yeah. it's called the Start Me Up podcast um, back from mm. 2016. That's well worth a listen because it actually takes you, you. You go into a lot more detail about exactly how you start up. So that's probably it, it would be good to compare where you were then and, and now. But you and talked that, yeah. about um, looking for an alternative evening drink, something that wasn't mm. alcoholic but had a, a, a taste to it, something distinctive. Uh, and yeah. that's what I felt when I had kombucha, your kombucha, and, and the one that we've been developing with um, ginger mainly. And, and I was talking to some friends oddly down the pub before we knew about kombucha, that we wanted something like that. And so it, it's, yeah. uh, it's now interesting that, that we've come across this. I, I've yet to convince them, so I need to, I need to sort of get them for a tasting <laughs> and see if they're interested in it. But uh, yeah, it's good, it's good stuff. Um, I think with the with this idea of sort of what occasion would you have kombucha in, I think, you know, kombucha has been around for ages. Mm. So, you know, it, it, it has been around. My mum used to make mushroom tea, she called it. And pretty much everybody I ask, mother, knows what it is. Yeah. Um, and it, but it was always sort of like hippie-ish and something a little bit, you know, brown and, and <laughs> healthy for you. Yeah. And obviously, like, those are huge benefits and one that I, you know, champion, champ, really championing. But um, I would also say that there is an element where, you know, I don't drink a lot and I, I like socialising. And when I go to the pub, you know, what are my options? A sort of very fizzy, soft drink that's super sweet or tonic water or mm. soda water. Like, there's not that many options. And... I think with what's interesting about kombucha is that, you know, kids can drink it, um, mm. adults can drink it. I drank it all through my pregnancy, um, but, and it's delicious. But there is that thing with the fermentation that makes it sort of slightly more complex than just a sort of fruit drink. Yeah, that's right. So it kind of feels like you're having alcohol. You know, if you're in the pub and you, you, you pick a kombucha, it, it, it's complicated enough to feel like it as fun to drink as, as a cocktail, but you're not getting any of those, um, you know, uh, you know, bad things, you're not getting hung over. And you're, and at the same time, you're adding, you know, th those good cultures to your body. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of, and you know, like, I, I can't exactly say this, I don't know the figures exactly, but I do think it's about 20% of the population in Britain um, don't drink regularly or don't drink at all. Really? Um, so, yes, yeah. it's, and you know, for, for Britain, that's, that's extraordinary numbers. But I was reading up, I was reading about it somewhere, and that's a, that's a huge amount of people that are looking for something different to drink. So you know, for me, kombucha really could, um, uh, you know, satisfy that that thirst. I think were. it could. I think there's also a lot of people like me who I I I, I like drinking, <laughs> not too much, but. But I also like not to. I like I like that I don't need to sometimes. And actually, tonic water has been the only thing that can can replace that. But again, that's sugary yeah. itself. Um, yeah. So yeah, is that is that something you want to do then in terms of the market? So not just not just seeing it as a health benefit, but actually something that can be healthy, but also um, is just a little bit more complex as you as you say that people can have yeah. it in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. 
absolutely. I think I, I don't want to paint myself into the sort of health corner no. because I think it's so much more than that. Mm. You know, I want, for me, it's like, what do you have for your lunch with your sandwich? What is it that you'd have for dinner with your friends? What would you have when you go to the pub? And what would you send to your, in your kid's lunchbox at school? Mm. You know, for me, it's like, I want to replace high sugar smoothies and, and drinks. And, you know, there's just so many different things that you can replace. Um, and especially, you know, we're, we're eating such awful food, um, at the moment, you know, everything's been pasteurized, everything's been, you know, packaged and Mm. cut into pieces long, long before you eat it. And the same goes with drinks. So, you know, the added benefits of it actually helping to promote gut health, which obviously, you know, you've got the gut brain connection, um, all of those things are just positives and I, and I think that um, I would love to see it rolled out in all pubs and bars and you know that would be amazing for me so yeah that's definitely one of my sort of hopes and dreams. <laughs> Good um, you, you've had a few challenges along the way one of them uh, I was listening to was about um, the initial bottling when you started up yeah. the brewing process yeah. and what was it 9,000 yeah. litres do I have that right? Yeah. <laughs> and you didn't have any uh, proper bottling equipment to hand, uh, manage that so you had to do, do it by hand and are you still doing that now? Or have you got some equipment no, now? So, so now I actually have a, um, a bottling partner. Oh, good. Um, so he came in quite early on um, and was, was sort of like, uh, what's the word? He was sort of um, making, he really liked me. When, and we met really early on when I started. Mm-hmm. Um, but he didn't, he wasn't that interested in terms of, you know, the numbers that I was producing had nothing right. to do um, with, uh, was really not very interesting for him. But yeah. he sort of looked after me and it was in his house that I built the brewery. Mm-hmm. And um, once I showed him that I meant business and I wasn't just a, you know, girl on a bike with a scoby <laughs> and a whatever, uh, he decided that, you know, actually he'd like to be part of it and um, has been my part, one of my partners ever since. And which is really, really good. He's a he's a great person, and um, so now I have no bottling issues. Good, but it's nice. <laughs> it, it, what, what's good though is you didn't worry about that. You weren't looking towards all those different challenges and thinking, well, I I don't know how I'm going to bottle. I need a bottling plant first before I can manage that. You just went ahead, yeah. stage by stage, and tackled them as they came up. And I think a lot of people yeah. they'll they'll either look too far ahead and think that's too hard and not try to begin with. Or they think yeah. I need all this stuff in order to be a proper Before. business and start. Whereas you know you were you were producing a, a good quality product, but you just weren't too worried about you know like bottling it by hand. That was just something you had to do to get over that particular hump. Yeah, I think it's, it, especially if you're going to be a producer of something, because there are quite. I mean, I'd say in food and drinks, most brands don't actually produce their own product mm. they'll outsource production to somebody else who you know would do you know that there's there'll be a company that makes you know 10 different types of kombucha for 10 different kombucha brands mm. and then those different brands will just put a label on it that's theirs and then sell it as theirs which is totally fine but um but so that's quite a sort of common thing and for me it was really important to feel that i could own every part of my business as yeah. in like knowing how you do things and I think that comes from being in events and you know for me knowing the whole project from beginning to to end was really important and so I felt the same with um kombucha that um <laughs> my daughter's having a poo in the background to see. Oh, that's <laughs> we'll put um, that in it was just <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah having her uh daily food anyway so so yeah, and I think had I, I mean, I probably would have saved a little bit of money had I done all my research beforehand and right. like, you know, gone, oh, I would do this, this and this. and uh, But I wouldn't have done it. Yeah. Do you think it would have so been think, too big and daunting in that case? You, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think you have to be slightly gung-ho. Yeah. And there are some costly, you know, we have some things that cost me money which wouldn't have had I planned ahead. But I also don't think that, you know, I would have been where I am had I been like, oh, no, I need to know exactly everything about this. And, um, you know, we've come a really long way since we launched. And um, I think half of that is 
because of the gung-ho way in which we do things. Mm. No, I, I, I tend to agree. <laughs> Some of the companies we work with, I do feel that, um, or, or that I speak to, um, yeah. I do feel that sometimes they just don't, you shouldn't worry too much about the future. Um, sometimes there's big costs and you need to work out those implications. But otherwise, it's yeah. better to try something and see how that works. And then, then that will answer a lot of questions that you can either dive Absolutely. into or you can move on and do something else. Um, yeah, so you... and, and not be afraid of hard graft. Yeah. You know, it's like, uh, it is really hard. And like you said, I was bottling and labelling mm. all on my own and got my friends roped in, bought them pizzas and loads of late nights. And um, having had a baby now, you know, it's become even, it's become quite tricky, but mm. we're trying, we're managing it um, because there really is no rest. Um, it is a, it is a very, very long marathon race. Yeah. Um, and if you sort of stop to take in the, the smell of the roses, mm. you kind of get left behind. So you have to just like continue along. And, um, you know, there'll be loads of mistakes, but that's also fine. Nobody doesn't make mistakes. It's part of the process. But you can it's just, part of the fun. Yeah, it's part of the process. Yeah. Mm. I think one of the really good things that I have done, though, is I've reached out to First of all, I reached out to all kombucha brands that, were, that existed when I first started out. And some of them chose to meet me and talk to me mm -hmm. um, and who were really kind. Like um, there's a guy called Adam who runs a kombucha company called Jar, mm -hmm. who was really, really helpful in the beginning, like just really nice. And I reached out to some companies in the States and HealthAid, who's one of my favorite kombucha in America, also were really helpful and, you know, spent quite a few hours on the phone with me just kind of going, why is this not working? And, um, that's so that's really been nice. really yeah. helpful. Yeah, yeah, no, really nice. And, you know, I, I tend to find that actually most people, if asked, will give you help and advice. Yeah. And these um, are, these are I mean, effectively I, competitors as well, you know, giving you advice. Exactly. Yeah. And giving advice. And, and I think that's a really wonderful thing. And I, I get quite a few requests from uh, sort of blossoming uh, kombucha companies in the UK and mm. from Europe. And I'll always take a call. I'll always spend an hour. I'm happy to do that. Just telling them sort of like what I've done, what I haven't done. I won't tell them my recipe, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I help in all the ways I can. Yeah. I also think it's kind of part of the whole kombucha thing, which I love so much, which I guess is a little bit hippie. But, you know, it's about being nice. Um, yeah, and so tell me about that. Good you, you, you mentioned... Um, in the other podcast listen to as part of the brewing process it's important that you're you're nice to your your brew your yeah. um <laughs> your boosh is it boosh or boucher you're kind of that boosh. so tell, tell me how that works for you and, and uh, i thought that's quite interesting okay so the, this comes from um something that i believe which is you know you give what you get yeah um and there's this really famous test that they did on rice um, which is you have three containers of rice, exactly the same. Um, in one, to one of them, you shower it with love and affection. The other one, you ignore. And the other one, you tell horrible things to. Um, oh. Then you leave them in exactly the same place um, and you just keep an eye on what happens to them. And, and you tend to find, which is quite amazing, that the rice that has been told off goes off a lot quicker than the one that you've been giving love to. And the one that was ignored does the worst. Um, really? And it's just, yeah. Wow. And it's really, in, I think that's just really, really, really interesting. And um, I've kind of applied that to um, my kombucha so that I basically spend a lot of time making sure that I give kombucha some love and attention because mm -hmm. it's a growing thing. Um, and I think there is an element of it feeding off of my energy as well as, you know, the food that I give it. Mm. Um, and it is a little bit hippie and a little bit out there, but it works. It seems to be working. Um, and to the extent where we've actually written love poems on our tank. Um, yeah, I love this. I remember you said, yeah, yeah I, I love that yeah. idea. Now, have you, have you done any scientific tests? That would be interesting to find out. No, but actually we've been uh, asked by a guy who's doing his master's in, mm. I can't actually remember what, it has something to do with uh, yeah, music and mm -hmm. um, psychology. And he basically wants to come round um, to our brewery and play music and sing to our tank. Yeah. 
and then measured the, the microbial content before and after to see if it's helped um, the bacteria and the culture to grow. Oh, that would be fascinating, so we haven't, I think. I know, it will be super fascinating. We haven't started yet, but um, that's something that we're looking to do. Uh, and we were also looking to um, set up a camera in the brewery mm -hmm. so that you can, so that you can uh, look at the tanks and the scobies online and, um, you know, kind of see what we're doing there. And, and yeah. hopefully um, that will be sending positive vibes to all the, all the yeah. tanks as well. So it other people can type very nice messages. messages. Well, exactly. Yeah, a little, but I, certainly no harm in it. And um, if nothing else, it's, an, it's a really nice story. Uh, and I think only positive things can come. And if nothing else, you know, it's, it's probably a, a nice, uh, relaxing thing to do for you. Yeah, exactly. And, and I do really think, you know, same as with humans, you've got to mm. just, and mm. animals, why wouldn't you be nice? No, absolutely. It, it, what's interesting, though, is um, I have, I've heard about that um, research. Uh, on the rice yeah. um but what was interesting or what reminded me was that the the rice that was ignored does the worst so does the worst, yeah. even, because it's getting no attention so it's obviously there's there's such a, a huge correlation between attention and something blossoming that it but yeah. if you give it no attention it's worse than uh being horrible than to being it. Mean it's just, to it yeah, yeah it's crazy um <laughs> it's crazy so I'm. So where are you now with with what you're selling? You obviously you've you've moved for quite a lot. You're generating quite a lot of product. You're bottling. You've got a bottling system in place now, um, or working yeah. with a partner on that. You're in some stores. What is it? Um, you're in Whole Foods. Um, what was yeah. it? Yeah. Planet Whole Organic. Foods, Planet Organic. Um, as nature intended. Source Market. Loads yeah. of independent. And your own your uh, own store online. Your own website. Yeah. Yeah. And we have this thing which is a kombucha subscription service where you you basically you sign up online mm -hmm. and you get well between one and four cases a month depending on how much you want mm -hmm. and I've, we've got quite a few people doing that who want to for their health or because they want to you know to drink it every day for other reasons mm. um buy off, off us online um which is really yeah, that's proving actually to be really popular we only launched that in february and uh we've got quite a few subscribers oh really good it seems like the yeah. sort of thing that might apply appeal to businesses um larger businesses who have a team rather than just stocking their fridge with beers or um sweet drinks that this could yeah. be amongst those and, and it's somewhere where they would be up for subscriptions i'd imagine as well um, yeah, yeah yeah no that is absolutely um could potentially be a gold mine. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just interested, I, I mean, I'm particularly being a marketing company ourselves, and I'm interested in yeah. how your background might have affected this as well. But what, what methods, mm. what promotions have worked best for you? What ways of telling people about kombucha and your wild fears have worked the best? Sampling, really, mm -hmm. really good. Um, I have done in the past, and I haven't done since I've had my child, but I used to do workshops. Mm-hmm where um, I would teach people how to do it and um, like I did at River Cottage and um, they were really really popular I think you know the thing that all of kombucha in the UK and Europe the sort of daunting task that we have is that it's not just saying here have this drink it's delicious yeah. we're actually having to educate people about it and so for me when you have face-to-face -face time with people um, that's when you can really convert them. Because also, like, kombucha isn't always, you know, not everybody goes instantly, oh, I love it. You know, mm. some people are slightly, take it slightly longer to kind of come round to it. Because it is a, a, it is a sort of slightly um, unique flavour. Yeah. So I find that the best way of converting somebody is face-to-face -face, uh, when you do sampling or workshops. And then for us, like, marketing, I mean Instagram, Right. Instagram is our, that's our best way of, you know, getting people to, to sort of buy our, buy our product, know who we are, uh, like our stuff, you know, and, and sort of engage with us as well. So we you're have finding a, that... A really high engagement. Um, oh, good. I was, a question I've got there is, so you've got good engagement on social media or Instagram yeah. particularly. How, how are you then getting them to buy and actually earn money from that? How are you converting them? This is tricky. Um, normally, I mean, one of the things that we always do is, uh, give somebody a, if they contact us, you know, wanting to know more, we always give them a discount code mm -hmm. to go online and buy our products from our website. Um, and I think, you know, um, 
with the workshop, it's really good because, I mean, maybe it sounds a bit sinister, it doesn't mean to be, but, you know, people really want to learn how to make kombucha and they love it um, and they'll do it once or twice and then they won't do it anymore, but they still want kombucha. Yeah, and yeah. then who, what do they buy? They buy wild fizz. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, of course. Who, um, they're not going to choose anyone else. And it's a, re- no, it's, exactly. it's a good way of educating them because the, the process is fascinating. It's quite straightforward. It's not that complicated, really. Um, but it's very interesting. Uh, you do it very well, certainly at R- River Cottage, yeah. and following your instructions on, on, on the way home. We, we have slowed down. I'd imagine we might be getting to that point where <laughs> it's, it, it's not necessarily part of the routine. We'll, we'll see. Um, yeah. But actually, that process is very interesting and engages people in it rather than it just being another drink that they could try. And then, then you're in competition exactly. with what they're already drinking. Yeah. Whereas it needs yeah, to be exactly. Different. And you're sort of, you know, you're in a way, there are so many levels that you can communicate with people. One is like, you know, do you have gut issues? Uh, the other one is, do you want a low sugar alternative? Mm. The third one is, you don't drink alcohol. So there's so many ways in which you can kind of get people hooked as it were to a very high quality product and that's why face to face works really well mm. uh, and instagram as well because you can have those conversations that aren't just you know fleeting moments mm. you can actually have long conversations like we constantly chatting on instagram with people who um are interested or you know reach out because they have i mean some really really bad gut issues and one thing that I tend to do with people who are really ill is I give them, I just give them a month's worth of kombucha for mm. free just to see like how they feel. Because at the end of the day, like the reason I'm, I have one fizz, um, is because it, it has cured my IBS. Yeah. It's um, made a real difference for you. Yeah. It's made a complete difference. And you could convert um, them into ambassadors. You know, if, they, if they're feeling um, that you, you've really helped them and it has made a huge difference, then they, they can actually be the, the best people to promote your product because they're, yeah, they're exactly. so enthused by it. But also, and they feel better. Like, yeah. like, if I can make anybody feel better, that is just, that makes all the hard work worth it. Mm. Like, I had actually had a woman um, a few weeks ago who emailed me just to say, just so you know, I subscribe to your product. She doesn't have IBS, but she's had other gut, gut issues. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't have any symptoms anymore. And she was like, I'm so thankful that I found you. And I feel amazing. And I just thought you should know. And I just, <laughs> I basically cried. Like, that was, <laughs> that was so wonderful to hear. And it sounds a little bit silly, but, but for me, it's like, I know what that feels like. That hopeless yeah. feeling of, like, I'm going to be in pain for the rest of my life mm. um, and everything I've, you know, I've done everything with doctors and, you know, therapies and stuff and nothing worked. And when I finally found that I woke up and not in searing pain, that changed my life. So I know what that feels like. Mm. Um, and that is an amazing feeling. And that's because of our fits. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> so that, that I was got, I've got a question here about your motivation. So that's, that's part of it. It's not, it's not, just the money side of it it's actually that you you can do good um you can you can make people feel better and and hopefully have a a good sustainable business out of this yeah i mean so let's talk business then i think that there's a real problem in the uk which is you either um so motivational do i make money at the moment almost nothing Mm. um and that's because if you sell if you make kombucha at home or whatever hummus or jam or whatever you want to make yeah. and you sell it at a market you know you have very little outgoing costs mm. and you hopefully you sell well at the market and you make enough money to kind of keep you going for the next week um that's a, that's a sustainable business model if you want to keep it you know to a sort of mama papa size mm. the next step up is medium size business and for somebody who makes something, uh, produces food or drink, and does it themselves, and maybe outsources, I don't know anything about that, but um, it is so hard. Yeah. It's actually easier to either be really tiny or to just be, I don't know, innocent smoothies. Yeah, really big, yeah. Anything, yeah, anything in between, and you're constantly chasing your cash flow. Yeah. I would imagine that to, to get better deals on uh, facilities you're using or bottles or materials, whatever they may be, you need to do more. You need to be buying more um, and giving more yeah. money so you can get. And it's that 
is that it must be a, tri- a tricky phase. So do you, have you looked at other companies like Innocent Smoothies to find out how they, they bridged that gap, how they got there? Was it just blind persistence, like, you know, you brute force and you no, just keep investment. going until you get there? Or was no, it? No, no, no. Yeah. One million pounds. <laughs> so investment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's our next move because we've gone as far as we possibly can. And I think it's worth mentioning, just in case people don't, aren't aware, mm. you know, when I buy my bottle, Obviously, ideally, I'd like to buy four times a year and buy, you know, 100,000 bottles in one go. Mm. But I can't afford that because yeah. I have to just buy as much as I can afford what my cash flow allows. Yeah. Um, and those guys are going to request from me immediate payment yeah. because um, unless I've worked with them for years, you don't really get any payment terms. You have to prove that you can pay. And mm. that takes a little while. When I, so then I, I buy the stuff. I pay for that. I then make my kombucha, bottle it, label it, put it in cases, send it to my distribution company who deal with it chilled, and then it goes out to everybody who buys, so to my distribution wholesalers, mm-hmm. and then or to like independents and to the people who buy online. So the people who buy online, they pay straight away. Small cafes, restaurants, we strike deals with them where they pay pretty much as soon as possible. Wholesalers and bigger retailers, you know, at least 30 days. Some people have 60 days. Mm-hmm. Some people have 90 days. Yeah, 90. Yeah. To pay. <laughs> so you've got this and, huge you know, ga- so cash gap. Yeah. Huge cash gap. So I, I would say, like, the biggest, the biggest problem that we have is managing that cash flow. Mm. Like, how do you pay for everything up front and then wait for the, the rest of the money to come in? Um, and that is so tricky when you have an, a, a medium-sized business um, because to fill that gap is, you know, you've got to be a whiz at um, cash flow um, because you have to, like, who can I avoid to pay? Who can I postpone? You know, and, and, and I hate to say it, but it, it becomes like that because it's like a sort of puzzle that yeah. you're constantly laying. Um, and that is really for us, I think, the... I'm being completely honest, you know. No. I think it's good to say these things. No, it is because so, so many people they don't they'll they'll either pretend things are going that they're going great, um, or they'll not talk no. about the reality of business. And so many people then will get into it. And actually, if you if you hear about the reality, I think even though you're saying this and it sounds it sounds like hard work, I think it's that, that might motivate people through because it's saying if they're in that position where it's hard, they know other people find it hard, and they know they can keep they can keep pushing through, and they can actually yeah. work their way through that. And, and I think, you know, and, and, and that really ties back to, well, what are you do- why are you doing yeah. it? What are you doing it for? If the sole reason is cash, you know, I want to be a millionaire, mm. then don't do it. <laughs> I, um, you need to have passion. Yeah. And it's the passion that puts you, takes you through. You know, it's the passion that, that makes you sit on a Saturday night at 3 a.m. with a newborn child and try and figure out how you're going to pay for the next production run. Like, that's what keeps you going. You have to really love it. Um, because otherwise, after six months, you are like, this is shit. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> and then you're left with it, you know, debt, um, a failed business. Mm. Um, yeah, so passion, really. Like, you have to believe in what you're doing and you have to love it. Have you read so a important. book by Seth Godin called The Dip? I haven't. No. Um, it's quite. It's quite interesting. I, I listened to the audio version. It's quite short. It's not not full of too much uh, BS for a business book, to be honest. Um, yeah. But he talks about this dip um, where a lot of people will enter something, whether it's uh, learning uh, a new, learning how to dance, um, or learning a new um, language, or, or entering a business like this, and mm. they'll push forward to a point, and then most people will stop. A huge percentage of people stop when they hit this dip. It seems to be going well, and then it'll always dip, and it gets hard. There is a big wall yeah. to be able to get over, which is what you're, you know, where you are at the moment. And it's the people yeah. who can push through and get to the other side, like innocent drinks, um, mm. how, however, however they may do that, that it then becomes much easier because they're on the other side where there are fewer people. Um, yeah, and it's 100%. It, is, so it is. It's about, it's a book both, both uh both on the motivation to push through that in a really yeah. honest way, but also the ability to look at a situation before you get into it to say, mm. I'm not willing to push through that. So you've got yeah. something which you can always hold on to and that hopefully will, yeah. will keep you warm at night. 
But some people don't. They sort of start without thinking too much about it. And they don't really have that goal. They don't have that ambition to push through it. And so it's yeah. sometimes better to realise that and, and not move on. Um, no, and, and I, I think, you know, if you put goals, achievable goals, um, and you get a business advisor. So um, for me, um, Hackney Council mm. uh, or Tower Hamlets um, had, uh, I think they still do, have a sort of... Um, business advisor scheme so for a hundred pounds I was um, paired up with a guy who um, has had some businesses in the past and he now sort of helps businesses um, and so I see him once a month and he goes through all my numbers and he kind of guides me and helps me and mm -hmm. that's been really really good so I think if you and, and so you know we, we would set up achievable goals together mm. and the next time I'd see him he would be like okay have you done this and I'd yeah. be yes I've done that no, I haven't done that. Good. Holding Stop you to account. Telling me what to do. Holding yeah. me to account. Yeah. yeah. But um, that's really helpful because I think, you know, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm started in the kitchen and in two years' time, I'm going to sell for five million pounds. Yeah. Like, but you need to have some goals in between there, like mm. some really small steps because every step then or every goal that you achieve, this is a win and you need those little wins um, to make it through as well, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And somebody it's, who can tell you actually, you know, you're, you need a business plan or you need the cash flow. Here's one. Here's a really good cheap accountant, you know, that kind of stuff. So I, it's worth checking what the government or what your council or borough are sort of giving away. Um, there's quite a lot of stuff that's for, um, you know, startups, um, quite a lot of help that you can get. Well, even if people, I know in um, Herefordshire and Gloucestershire, where, where we're based, there we mm. we part a scheme through those councils where we can we can provide that for people but even if people yeah. aren't able to get a scheme often there are a lot of people business mentors or coaches which if you get involved with them they'll they will charge you money but they're often will have um some sort of free trial or some workshops you can go to and that that can sometimes be enough to help and just maybe yeah. maybe move you on a little bit if you're stuck in a rut and sometimes just talking yeah. to someone else and venting they may have some ideas um, that can just move you forward a little bit. So that, oh my important. God, that is the best thing. Yeah, being able to sort of talk to somebody mm. and, and them going, oh, this is the crappiest idea I've ever heard or, you know, that sounds good or I know somebody you should meet or, like, that's really good. There's also a thing called the Food Hub on Facebook, which is really good. Okay. Um, where, this is specifically for food and drinks, but, yeah. you know, you could post a question there um, going, where can I find a supplier of labels or, who work, who's found a really good accountant or shit, my batch of chocolate have, has, <laughs> you know, gone bad. Where can I buy one ton of milk chocolate? You know, there's always, um, and people answer and are really, really helpful. So that's, that's a really good thing. We use that quite a few times, um, the Food Hub on Facebook to, um, to get some help. Okay, I will try and find that and put a link in, in the show notes. There's a few others, I mean, for various, whatever industry you're in, whether you're a creative or programmer through to yeah, food. There are lots of little mm. groups like that. It might take a bit of time finding them, but you've just got to ask. You've got to ask different people and you get there. Yeah. Um, and I think that's the thing. Like, if, you know, I, I'm i not very good at it, but my partner, Luke, um, who's also my baby daddy, mm -hmm. um, is really good at that. Is If he's not doing so well, he'll tell people about it and then he'll get some help. Whereas I'll sort of stoically try to fix it myself. Yeah. And he's like, I've just already asked my friends and yeah, they're going to fix it, don't worry. So I, that idea of not having any ego about it and being just like, you know what, I've done something bad, I've forgotten to order this thing, like, please help. And, and if you do that, then people will help. Yeah. That's really, that's well, a, well, often, nice. um, I find it's, a, it's very similar to um, when I was at university and the lecturer used to say, look, don't be afraid of putting your hand up because if you've, whatever question you've got on your mind, it's not a stupid question. There's going to be other people who have that question. If no one puts their hands up, he won't know what, ha what to answer or who needs help. But mm. don't feel it's stupid. And I think it is the same in this situation. Don't, don't tell anyone, Gina, but I do that with our clients. So if I'm, if I'm on a, <laughs> a, like a, a session with her on meeting, I might yeah. pour out a few little issues that I've got at the beginning of the session just as part of the warm-up. And, and often yeah. I get so much back from that. Hopefully I think they get something as well. Maybe they, they, there's a similar problem they've got and we can, we can find a way around it together. Um, yeah, but yeah, I, I do that a little, little bit as well. <laughs> but that's so good, isn't it? It's just that you know, being proud is so unhelpful. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice um, to it's nice to do well, but sometimes if you're not, it, it is it is better to seek help from people. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. and I I do yeah, and I think that you know, especially with social media and stuff, I know quite a few companies who've got a great social media, like great Instagram account. They look amazing. Mm. You know, oh my god, they're doing so well. And actual fact, you know, they are super struggling, and that kind of makes it difficult. Everybody thinks you're doing so good, and um, I think that also is quite debilitating for yourself because you're letting out this image of being a super successful person. Yeah. Whereas in actual fact, you know, you're really struggling. And um, I think that's so important. To, you don't have to say it on Instagram, but, you know, you, have to, you, should, re- you should really try and reach out to people. There, there, there are loads of people out there who, you know, would want nothing else than to be asked to you know, help. Some of the best... Some of the best podcasts I've listened to are are where people are just sharing the the problems in a in a positive way. They're not whinging or whining, mm. but they they're just talking about things that they've either got a problem with at the moment or or they're overcoming something. And I find that so yeah. valuable um, because you pick up tips. You say, "Well, that's a really good idea," or or you can help them. You know, if someone has a problem, you think, "I've I've been through that. I can actually I can actually help them with that, even if it's just a a small comment or a tool." And the amount of time where I, um, I, someone has had a little issue, oh, I wish I could do this, or I'm fighting a struggle. And I, there's a little tool that I use, and I just mention it, and it's so helpful to them. But it's it's, it's nothing nothing to me, and vice versa. I, I particularly enjoy that. Um, yeah, yeah. that makes you feel good. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, and that's that's one of the reasons I do I do these interviews as well because I I, um, I love hearing about people's businesses and finding out what they do, where their struggles are, what works for them, mm. especially in terms of promotion, which is a constantly ever-moving target. Um, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's, it's part of my continuing professional development. Um, <laughs> on, on that note, could we uh, round off? Um, and I think you've probably given these tips already, but maybe um, let's see if we can put them into a concise um, uh, points. So have you got two bits of advice for, for small businesses going forward? I think do your due diligence. As in, if you've decided you want to make a, a drink that tastes of Coca-Cola um, and your branding is red <laughs> and, um, you know, and uh, you, you, you make the product and you put, it on, you put it out there and they're like, oh, well, this brand already exists or this flavor already exists. This market is saturated. Mm. Or, you know, you come up with something that actually if you'd asked 100 people, they'd gone, that is a really bad idea. Don't do that. Um, I think that's really important. I think it's important to know that your product would sell. Like, I went to Primrose Hill Street Market to test if people wanted to drink kombucha, and I got a great response. Mm. And that was the thing that sort of uh, made me realise that this was a good idea. Had everybody gone, oh, this is the most revolting thing I've ever had, and nobody bought anything, I probably would have thought, you know, twice, and I'd probably still be brewing it at home for myself. Yeah. Um, that's my first piece of advice. Like, do some research and, you know, test it out on people, see what they think. Uh, and then the second one is, if you still think it's a good idea, even if you've got bad feedback or whatever, or if you've got great feedback, then trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we live in a society where we're forced to wake up when we're not supposed to and, you know, stay awake when we should be asleep. We're eating bad food and we're not being in nature as much. And I think those moments where you feel like you have inspiration, you're, you're inspired, you should just follow that because mm. that is what makes us, you know, connected to the nature, to connect to nature, the world, the universe, and everybody else in the planet. So I think, yeah, just... It does. That's how our brains work. Our, bra- our brains yeah. aren't systematic. They work um, by a series of connections, and you do have to run with those. It's really hard, though, sometimes when you've got stuff to do, and yeah. you, you have an idea or a moment of inspiration, and you are unable to do it. But yeah, sometimes you just have to drop everything else and do it. I, I think so, and, and you know, the best things in life are spontaneous. Um, you know, I can't think of a single time that I planned on having sex at but every time I've done it, it's been fantastic. So, you know, it's like... <laughs> you know, I, I, I like the idea of having um, planned spontaneity. So um, I, I love I love planning stuff. You should see my calendar. It's, it's full. But I, I do yeah. that to allow me to have opportunities for spontaneity. So, like, if someone wants yeah. to go out for um, lunch... Uh, and I happen to be in, I'm in, I'm in Hereford visiting someone else. Yeah, I can, I can do that because I know, I know where my, um, 
where the key things are. I know where the Mm. things that need to be done are. So I know what time I've got available. So I I don't like having in the diary where I plan for for doing something crazy. But it's knowing where if if you've got a good plan in place, it actually gives you more freedom and opportunity, I find, to have those moments where you can dive off and go and do something a bit different that you wouldn't normally do. No, absolutely. Mm. I think I think, you know, being really planned in your business, means that you also allow yourself some free time because that's another thing you know like you could work every single day every moment every second um but if you plan to be really efficient between the hours of eight and six monday to friday and you give yourself some time off at the weekends if you can then that's going to help you be a better business Mm. um because nobody can run you know endlessly without stopping yeah that's right you just don't have the energy for the ideas well, exactly. And that includes, like, don't look at your Instagram account all the time. So I keep on telling my boyfriend, I'm like, we have to stop this now. Like, that's not good for you. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, we live in a strange time. It so. is It is hard. And I've, I, I actually, it's it's easy once you've locked yourself out of certainly social media um, to, to stay away from it. But it's difficult once yeah. you're in there. You actually have to say, no, I, I need to break that habit. And, and have some yeah, and you need it as a business. Yeah, you need it. Like I need Instagram. Well, mm. wouldn't be where it is without it. But at the same time, you need to know when to put it down and to look into your baby's eyes and you know spend an <laughs> afternoon that, in the park. Because that's what it's that's what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, we're not earning money yeah. for any other reason apart from to live. Um, just quickly before I sign off, um, and I, I you don't need to explain it, but I just want to say that's an interesting T-shirt you're wearing. I'm just looking at your Instagram because I'm going to talk about it. The future is female. Go and have a look. You've also yeah. got um, a Tumblr if you want to. I'll let people find it because it's just got some very interesting um, artwork that it, I think you've collected. Yeah, that was from my days as a creative. I know, but it gives an insight into your mind, Gina. I think um, so. They can find you on Instagram. Are you? Uh, what is the? Um, what is your? Wild Fizz Kombucha on Instagram. You yeah. are Wild Fizz Boosh on uh, Twitter. And yeah, Wild, so Wild, Wild Fizz B O O C H. That's it. And Wild Fizz Kombucha um, dot com dot for your com. website. I'll put all the links in our show notes so everyone can click through from Perfect. there. Yeah. And if anybody wants to email me about kombucha, you can do it um, at Gina at wildfizzkombucha.com. Brilliant. Thank you. Appreciate that, Gina. Thank you very much. Really, um, I know we had a bit of um, trouble getting getting together, but it's good you were able to find a park, quiet space, and um, and have an interview. <laughs> well, my baby had a poo. I um, mean, <laughs> I've never had that before. That's the that first that for our podcast. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad we could share that moment together. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. All right, thank you so much. Okay. Have a wonderful afternoon. Yeah, take care. Thanks, Gina. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Thanks for listening. If you've not already subscribed to our podcast you can visit ratherinventive.com slash podcast and listen to it there. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Overcast, or whatever podcast player you use. You can get in touch with me on Twitter, I'm at Ben Kinnaird, or the company on at Rather Inventive. Bye.